Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. I want more to feel and tell them that we love them. I've looked at clear cuts and burnt forest and I've felt outraged. We are the crowning glory of God's creation, and all of nature was made for us. Nature is more productive because of us, not less. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Well, this is going to be interesting. This is Wretched Radio, a sit-down conversation between Dave Rubin and Charlie Kirk, both conservatives, Charlie Kirk, a young man who is very popular on university campuses, persuading young people to be conservative because freedom is of paramount importance. He's also a professing Christian, and he and Dave Rubin had a conversation about the Republican Party and its future. Where is it going specifically regarding the homosexual issue if the conversation you're about to hear rightly expresses what is happening in that party got a question for you what are you gonna do where are you gonna go for whom are you going to vote so at the republican convention peter thiel an openly gay man spoke spoke before trump He said, I'm a proud gay man, got a standing ovation. Then Trump gets up there, talks about- And points him out. Yeah, right, points him out. And he said, it makes me very happy, was the exact quote he said. Because he has a little bit of a a little gay, that thing with the hand, but okay. But that, that, the fact that there's been such a wholesale shift in that, that even right now, Ted Cruz or the guys that you might consider a little more of the Christian conservatives- Which I'm one of them, Mike Huckabee, right. Okay, so, so where you come from, basically, as far as I can tell, don't really see this as an issue anymore. Is that? Hello. It's no longer an issue, apparently, for a growing number of power brokers in the Republican Party. Is that true? Fair I think that's correct. And, and so let me dive deeper yeah. and also pose a hypothetical to some of the leftists watching this. Peter Thiel, openly gay man, gets a standing ovation at the Republican National Convention and then pointed as the, uh, you know, pointed out by the candidate. Do you think that an evangelical pastor that was pro-Israel that might be a Democrat would have even been allowed to speak at the Democratic National mm-hmm. Convention or given a standing ovation? They booed God yeah. when he was when that was when that was mentioned. Okay, yeah. no, they literally did. What, what is the shift here? The yeah. shift is the Republican Party is beginning to realize, hey, we're the party of freedom. Like it's cool if you want to do that. And I think it's it's a real sea change because- Whoa, 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 it is a sea change indeed. This is a fascinating conversation because of the professing faith of Charlie Kirk. He believes in heterosexual marriage, but as a Republican who apparently now has one remaining issue, freedom, that we have liberty, that we have rights. There are so many layers of problems with this, starting with any moral issue. For instance, if I'm going to apply the logic that we're hearing from Charlie Kirk, I can make abortion a non-issue. It's just about freedom. We've got to let people do whatever they want to do. No, as Christians, we care what people do. 
We can't impose our values on them. That's what the Pharisees did. Instead, we preach the gospel. God changes their heart. And then he goes about sanctifying their lives. That is what Christians do. But as we look out at culture to say, let's just let's just live and let live. Let's not have a position on this politically. I think what you're hearing is a sign of the times that there are so many social issues that are now swamped because of liberalism that that we're looking at. Okay, where's the where's the last line here to protect us so that we can live with some semblance of freedom? And that is why freedom is Charlie Kirk's oft repeated word. It's about freedom. It's about freedom. And so if we're about freedom, he concludes, then we have to let people be free to do whatever they want to do. I know that Charlie wouldn't apply that to every subject. I suspect he wouldn't apply it to abortion, any violent crime, abuse, embezzlement. But we just got to let people be, which is the challenge of the libertarian. You want to be conservative in some ways, but permissive in other ways. It's a really tough worldview to hold without a great deal of tension and back tension to the point of snapping. If Charlie Kirk is right, the Republican Party is changing dramatically. Would you please consider for a moment what you will do when the Republican Party changes its position on the subject of marriage, just wipes it out? You're going to have to Google that if you're under 40. And they obliterate any conversation about it because we simply want people to have freedom. But let's just say, at least for now, they remain pro-life. You're going to vote for them? They want to permit a bad thing? But they're for a good thing? What are we to do? We might want to start thinking about that right now. Getting to, you know, endorse more of those, you know, favorable drug policy positions on the side of freedom or gay marriage, you know. Did he just sneak in drugs? That we can also be permissive on drugs? Oh, boy, this is Charlie Kirk becoming not a conservative, but a libertarian. Starting to see a sea change where it's becoming the soul searching the Republican Party has been doing over the last 30 years is what's the one thing that ties our party together? What do you think it is? Freedom. This I'm not a political pundit, but this appears to me to be a an admission Um we're not going to win any of these things. We, we, we've given up. Just let us be free. Freedom, freedom, freedom. And I think that's why you're starting to see that. And the left, they can't reconcile. What, what ties them together? Oppression. You know, like it's the oppression Olympics. It's like yeah. who suffers more, you know? And I think that's a really good thing. Segue to one, one final point is what I think is the position that needs to be articulated better is I have no problem with, you know, gay marriage, whatever. Like, I believe marriage, one man, one woman. That's my own personal position, right? I don't want to impose my values on others. Haven't we heard that before? Didn't we used to be critical of uh, Democrats who were professing Roman Catholics who would say, you know, I'm opposed to abortion, 
personally, but I'm not going to impose my values on others. It appears Charlie Kirk has adopted that, and it, but it is highly unlikely he stands alone. This is libertarianism now surfacing, and if this thinking increasingly pervades the Republican Party, it is not going to be long before you, every two and four years, are going to be scratching your head. (laughs) And it's going to change the conversation. It used to be pretty clear. Used to be. Well, you've got a party of death. you've You've got a party of promoting immorality. And you've got a party that promotes life and traditional marriage. Now, you could have differences of opinion on tax rates, infrastructure bills, etc. But the, the, the big issues, the moral issues, it used to be a clear choice. I'm not so sure it is anymore. And we should start asking the question, what are we going to do if the Republican Party starts abandoning one social issue at a time. But I'm never going to tell government to have someone live a life. I think it's cool. You're married. I think it's great. And you should have all the same tax benefits, adopt children. It's great. No. Right. But I you, feel the same way about you. Well, it's fine. It's like, whatever. Like, yeah. But that's that's more of like a generational perspective. Here's where I think. Repub- now, hold on. I think I understand how Charlie gets there. I, I think I do. It appears that he is believing that, hey, I can still hold on my th- onto my thing without compromising, but I'm just not going to impose it on you. I wonder if we went back two or three or four years and listened to Charlie, if he was talking like that then. And this, if I might do an excursus and apply this to the church, is a reminder of the potential for compromise based on cultural whims. We, too, can be infected by the pressures of the world that says, hey, this is the thing. Now, we're seeing that, I believe, with critical theory. It is making its way into the church. I think that we are starting to see more and more this pressure. It's, it's, it's not reached the point where it appears the Republican Party is. But the homosexual issue, homosexual Christians inside of the church, how we view those issues, I think a Really undeniable example of this is the role of women in the church. It's not just Charlie who's feeling the pressure from the world to acquiesce so that we can just be let alone. I think a lot of Christian churches are starting to do the same. Back to politics. Question, for whom will you vote? If those are the two viable choices, I know. Always going to be a third party, and this might be something that we need to start talking about more in earnest because we used to say, well, they're not going to win, so I can't vote for them. They'll be throwing away my vote. I think I'm just making a prognostication. I think we're going to be having that conversation all over again soon. This is Wretched Radio. Good news, there are actually thousands of pastors in Germany. The bad news is 
they're not very equipped. Theological training in Germany and in Europe is so needed because you don't really get any formal training, not in a church or anywhere else. Being at a PMAI training center, probably the first time that you ever get any formal training how to understand scripture, the church, and how to apply it in your own life. Germany is not the only nation that has a drought of qualified pastors, but the Masters Academy International is changing that one country at a time, currently in 17 nations, with mini seminaries, with graduates from the master seminary, training indigenous men to rightly divide the word of truth. Would you please consider adopting your own seminary in one of 17 nations? Please visit wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in and joining us today at Wretched Radio. We certainly appreciate you and appreciate the time that you spend listening to the program. What's something that you think about from time to time, but you know it's something you really shouldn't say out loud? Well, I'll go ahead and say what I know most of you are thinking, and that's that most Bible studies are pretty boring. It's true, and you know it is, but listen, there is a solution to that enigma. It's getting yourself a wretched Bible study and finding that you can dig into God's Word and not feel guilty for feeling bored. The Wretched Bible Study curriculum is derived from our resources, Drive-By Marriage, Drive-By Parenting, Drive-By Theology, Jesus Unmasked, and Stressed Out. And I know you're thinking, yeah, well, Jimmy, you're biased. Well, maybe that's true, but listen, don't just take my word for it. Try one of our Wretched Bible Studies out for yourself by visiting wretched.org slash study. That's wretched.org slash study. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Hey, Tomorrow Club supporter, this message from Paul Marty, the director of the Tomorrow Clubs, is just for you. You know, it's been more than 25 years now since my wife Cindy first brought leaders and kids together for the very first Tomorrow Club. Hundreds of thousands of lives have been touched. We're grateful for all the ways you help kids in forsaken places learn to follow Jesus. Thank you for your support of the Tomorrow Clubs. $30 a month, disciples, 30 kids in Eastern Europe and now in Africa, where Tomorrow Clubs anticipates they could be opening up a hundred new clubs in a year. Would you please consider becoming a Tomorrow Club supporter? Kids clubs that meet in forsaken places, they get loved on, they hear the gospel, they memorize Bible verses, and they're getting saved. To support your own Tomorrow Club, please visit tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history 64 AD After fire ravages Rome, Emperor Nero blames Christians and unleashes the first state-sanctioned persecution of Christians. Roman persecution would continue for 250 years until Emperor Constantine officially recognized and defended Christianity. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Not to be smug or anything. Uh, huh. This is Wretched Radio. We are seeing a, quote, sea change in political parties, how they are viewing social issues. It would appear that the left are not the only one in politics who believe, let's just let people live. It appears, according to Charlie Kirk, there is a sea change in the Republican Party, and we're going to stop worrying about issues like marriage, 
being fiscally conservative, the size of the military, tax rates. No, our only concern now at this point is freedom. Hey, the wolves are at the door. And if we don't have something protecting us from people who believe that the light needs to be snuffed out, then, then we better put all of our eggs into the freedom basket. Otherwise, the, this party is over. And one cannot help but think that isn't a shift in worldview because of the pressure of the world. That is not how a Christian must navigate political and social issues. We remain Christians always. Now, of course, the challenge is going to be when you don't have a viable party to vote for, what you going to do? Jimmy, you're right. We, you just mentioned to me that there's already a party that that describes what Charlie is representing. Yes, correct. It is the Libertarians. That's what it is. So it appears that there is an effort with CPAC, Charlie Kirk and others to make the Republican Party more libertarian. And this is going to cause consternation for Christians. We're going to have to reignite the conversation about third party candidates who are more morally consistent with biblical values, because that is how we vote. We're not one issue voters. That's a that's a trap. Instead, we're biblical thinkers and we try to vote for the person that best represents the Bible. And it would appear that if this sea change swamps the Republican Party platform and turns it into a pro marriage for anybody party, whew, we're going we're going to have to think this through. Now, I believe there's going to be some Christians who go, look, it's still the lesser of two evils. They're still right on the abortion thing. You're going to have other Christians going, this is it. I can't do this. I am going to vote for that guy. I know he doesn't have a chance, but I, I just can't do it. I can't pull the lever for a party, a platform, and a guy who wants to allow people to live in a lifestyle that is very bad for them. And it's an affront to God himself. This will be, in my opinion, a conversation that is going to be happening very, very soon. Why? Because the world is, is, is informing how we take our positions and our stances. And it is not just the political realm. Case in point, I would like to share with you a snippet of a sermon that was delivered by a mainstream evangelical. This, this fellow is right in the bullseye of, well, let's just call it Big Eva. Big Evangelical, that huge broad tent. This is the sermon that he delivered. And you are going to hear, in my opinion, a fellow preaching who has been very informed by a worldly ideology, critical theory. Luke chapter 19, verse 8. This is Jesus and Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto him, Lord, behold, half my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. That is in the Bible. Was Jesus promoting reparations when he told that story? 
that a large group of people or an entire nation need to make something right. I don't think he was. Now, that doesn't mean that a nation can't and shouldn't do that. Doesn't mean that. But Jesus certainly was not promoting reparations with this parable. It was another demonstration. It's in the Gospel of Luke. As soon as you get to about chapter 10, just get ready for a barrage of stories that demonstrate there is a true faith and there is a false faith. And Jesus repeatedly, this is what it looks like. This is what somebody who really is saved looks like. And this is one of those people. This would be a man who is feeling so guilty for the sins that he committed. He wants to make it right. And individually, we most certainly should, if we can. If you take a look at the verses that are the most intense concentration of what genuine repentance looks like, you'd have to scoot to 2 Corinthians 7. And that the individual who is truly born again, who has sinned against another, wants to make it right. And we should. Now, of course, here's the difference of opinion. What you're about to hear this fellow say is this verse means that nationally we need to make it right for what happened over the last decades. Now, this is definitely, this is most certainly a social conversation. If, if, you, if you wanted to, I, I understand that theology, it, it, it's brought into every realm, but if you just wanted to put a conversation into a jar to put it into your pantry, this conversation about the wrongs that have been done to a people group in the past, when that started, has it ended? Have, has there been any progress? You would have to put that in a jar labeled social issue. You could put it into another jar that says political issue. So let's put it into a social political jar because it's not theological. This, this is observational. This is historical. And this fellow, he has concluded that there has been so much damage to a particular people group that the folks who are responsible for it a debatable subject, certainly. They need to pay for it. Is that what Jesus had in mind here? I took it. If I aggrieved him, if I inconvenienced him, if you can systematically show that it's my fault, Zacchaeus said, it is my obligation to restore him fourfold. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said unto him, this day, is salvation come to this house? Prepare yourself to hear, in my estimation, that this is based on <laughs> all of the presentations I've seen on the issue, this is the first time I have heard a fellow actually import critical theory and reparations into the gospel. That, that, that was the start of the conversation on this whole issue a number of years ago. Hey, is this a gospel issue? And we had to sift through that to realize, well, critical theory on the face of it, it's not a gospel, meaning it's not an essential issue. This fellow seems to make it so. For as much as he is also a son of Abraham, I'll know that you are saved when you start talking about preparations. I Hold it. That is a fruit of salvation. Hoofda. I suspect he didn't mean it, but that is the message. You know that you're saved when you start saying and acknowledging that Negro people should be paid back. 
I will know that salvation has come to your house when you admit that it is wrong to enslave a group of people and then turn them loose without giving them anything. So now, again, historical debate. When does responsibility end? That is a debatable social issue. But what we're hearing is a fellow that's saying, here's this is this is this is a mark of salvation. This would be like me saying, by the way, true and lasting religion is this, that we take care of widows and orphans. Therefore, if you are not taking care of three widows in a nursing home and adopting seven children, I don't know that you're saved. And you would say, what are you talking about? While other people are getting reparations, while Jews are getting reparations, while Indians are starting to get reparations, I'm happy for you, Indians. I ain't against you. I'm happy for you. All we get is ghettos and slums and bad schools. And you're wondering why we are turning on each other like savages. (sighs) This conversation is almost impossible to have i think both both sides struggle we see it rather myopically we see it as a one issue repair it's it's not and shooting each other and killing each other because we are denied opportunities and black kids don't see a future and they don't see a hope let's give them a future let's give them college Uh, well okay um (laughs) well whether we pay for university or not of course we want people to have hope let's give them health care let's give them child care let's give them hope if black lives matter if you really got it if you really got it then government come on turn around and be sensitive and give to black people what black people deserve repair the damages repair the damages that is the message that is being preached inside of evangelical churches Has the world infected the church? I'm not sure you'll ever see or hear a better demonstration than that. Be ready for it, Pastor. It's coming your way. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. We begin in Germany today, where a newly released documentary details more than 100 church employees, including priests, coming out as LGBT. Why? Well, the creators say it's all to call on the church to be more accepting of same-sex attraction. And, you know, I'll agree with that to a point. We should all be more intentional in showing compassion to people lost and struggling with sin. But that compassion doesn't mean accepting sinful lifestyles as just okay. Jesus was compassionate, but he did not affirm sinners in their sin. He called them to repentance, as should we. And from Germany to Texas, now we go, where Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced last week that he intends to introduce a new bill that will give parents more control over their children's education. Called the Parental Bill of Rights, Abbott says his plan will ensure parents have the ability to protect their children from being taught inappropriate material in the classroom. Because you know what some parents consider appropriate for their children may not be deemed appropriate by other parents. So this seems like a plan I can totally get behind. And speaking of public school issues, more news from the lousy school board in Loudoun County, Virginia, where parents recently showed up to a school board meeting to voice concern over the board's mask mandates 
despite newly elected Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin's recent order to ban mandatory masking in schools. But apparently in Loudoun County, kids who don't wear masks are being segregated, forced into libraries and auditoriums, and not allowed to ride buses, and some are even given 10-day suspensions. (laughs) And this is coincidentally the same school board that suspended a student who raped another student on school property twice for just one day. (laughs) The lousy school board continues to show why it is the worst school board in America. And to illustrate just how insane things are in communist China, the movie Fight Club with Brad Pitt, it's 20 years old or better, and most of you know the movie I'm talking about basically has the theme of anarchy. Well, it's been edited in China by authorities to depict the government as the winner in the end. Why? Well, China can't have people watching a message that's not so pro-government. That might lead to thoughts of freedom and whatnot. And freedom, it's not good for communism. And in Illinois, the baby murder business is booming. New data shows a 29% increase in baby murder procedures for out-of-state women. And some experts say that that number is likely even higher than what's reported because some laws in pro-choice Illinois don't require the reporting of baby murder. While other cities and states around the country work tirelessly to become a sanctuary for the unborn, Illinois seems to be working tirelessly, too to be a sanctuary state for needless and senseless baby murder. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible The gospel is present throughout all of Scripture, beginning with the book of Genesis. Immediately after the fall, God promises a Messiah who will crush the head of the serpent. Even in the Garden of Eden, God was preparing the means of our salvation through Jesus Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Here we go. The thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Spanning the globe. Why? Well, you see, you send a lot of stuff to idea at wretched.org. I actually read it. And then I print the stories you send. I bring them home, read them late at night, bring them into the studio and would love to share them. But I can't fill the 11 minutes with just one or two stories. And so we slap them together and called it Wild Wide World of Christian Stories. This is Wretched Radio. That's pretty much the truth of the matter. I think uh, Wild World would uh, work. Too. Wild World is, oh, that's exactly correct. It is a wild world. Ooh, baby. Was that Cat Stevens? Wow, that's a dated reference. <laughs> Ooh, baby, it's a wild world. Isn't music amazing in that whatever the song is that you hear, you're at the restaurant shopping at Costco. Wait a second. I don't think Costco plays music, do they? They don't. They got. Do they? Uh, you know what I think where they where they put their money? The ventilation system. They are they're they're pumping out something that causes you to go, Yeah, I do think we need seventy two <laughs> tubes of toothpaste. We need that, dear. I could use that. We absolutely need yes, I think we do need four hundred coffee cups. They're insulated. We need those. It's amazing at the Costco, but when you're in whatever store it is and the music plays, doesn't it just snap you back and you you don't even know maybe what year it is, but you just get a feeling. Or is it just me? I'll hear something from the 70s and I just kind of go. 
on the inside. It wasn't a great decade for me. And so I hear anything like Cat Stevens, and I'm like, no. Here's something from the 80s, and it makes me happy. And how can it not make you happy? It was perky in the 80s. Let's take a look at our wild world, shall we? Jimmy? Are there certain songs from a certain era that you dislike just because of what was going on in your life? <sighs> the answer would be no. Yes, maybe. Sort of? Yeah, maybe. Mm. Maybe, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. I, I do. I You're do. going through a season, whatever the struggle is, you, the music gets incredible. So it's just baked together. Music is powerful, which is why there are so many bad ministries using it to lure people into their movement. Because it is powerful. I'll, I'll never forget this. A number of years ago, maybe it was at the Strange Fire Conference, and John MacArthur said, take away the music and the whole movement would crumble. And initially, I thought, that's a pretty big claim, bold assessment. Huh? The more I think about it, I think he's right. That is the hook. And it's what keeps people into it because it makes the religious or the worship service an experiential form of worship. We just feel it all the way through. It is very effective, which is why I would encourage you think long and hard before you invite this music into your church. I know the kids like it. I know apparently adults like it too. It's got a good hook. They're good at that. And there's no overt heresy in much of what these corporations are producing that call themselves churches and ministries. But I don't think that's reason enough to allow it in. It wants to grab your kids. It wants them in their movement, not your Bible teaching church. All right, Jimmy, enough interruptions. Let's get to a wild world. Sorry. Shall we? Oh, good. The University of Washington apparently state, has a new language guide. These are always rather interesting, aren't they? The university language guide lists a number of problematic words, and here they are. Racist, sexist, ageist, or homophobic. How did we turn this corner? <laughs> well, they explain it for us, thankfully. Ableist. Here's, here's, this is how we define what ableist is the language guide states that the word lame is ableist oh that is so lame dude because it refers to somebody who has a physical malady therefore you're an ableist if you use that word so don't this word is offensive even when it's used in slang for uncool because it's using a disability in a negative way to imply that the opposite, which would be not lame, to be superior. Okay. I do believe that we Christians most certainly can give up words. If a people group, whatever marker that is that defines them as such, if a people group says, hey, you know, when you use that word, um, it's really offensive. We should be the first ones to go, oh, then I'll drop it. No biggie. I, I don't need that word. I can get rid of it. But this rationale is different. You see, this is Marxism, basically. We want everybody to be considered the same. And any language, whether it's ableist, racist, sexist, homophobic, any language that implies somebody might be living a better lifestyle 
And that's got to go. And this is this is encapsulates the battle for the soul of a nation right now. What custom is going to endure? And what is happening is that the historical customs of this nation have been given a label. White. White is bad. Therefore, these customs are bad. Therefore, this culture needs to be changed. That is exactly what we are seeing going on in pretty much every quarter of the world. When minority is used to refer to other races or abilities, used as a generalized term for the other and implies a less than attitude toward a community, then it's got to go. See, this, is, this, this isn't about, I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. I don't want to be offensive. No, this is tearing down anything that might imply somebody has an advantage or something is better. Um, well, here's the truth of the matter. There are people who are better than other people. There are scads of people that are way better than I am in a million arenas. There are people who can make fabulous amounts of money. They can run organizations that have thousands of employees. They're just better at doing a lot of stuff than me. Nope, not anymore. Nobody does anything better. Nobody is better. No culture, no customs. It is all got to go. The guide considers grandfather a problematic word because the term was used as a way to exempt some people from a change because of conditions that existed before the change. Do you know where the word grandfather comes from? I mean, it's like to grandfather in an issue. It originated in the American South in the 1890s as a way to defy the 15th Amendment and prevent black Americans from voting. I didn't know that. Uh, are, are, are people thinking that when they use the word? Can I call my my mother's father, grandfather? Housekeeping is another problematic word. The guide recommends should be avoided by others working in the information technology industry because it can feel gendered. Housekeeping. See, that's, that's associated with women. It's sexist. What? Preferred pronouns. That term is problematic because the term preferred suggests that a person's pronoun is optional. Okie dokie. Then, according to the language guide, using red, white, or yellow to separate different teams is based on racist tropes. Who, who knew such things? The term spirit animal is also problematic because it uses cultural appropriation, according to the guide. <laughs> you mean an, an animal is now cultural appropriation? Okie dokie. All right, so what would, with all due respect to Christopher Cross, Ride like the wind is using things that it's nat naturalist, naturist. We don't want to do that because that would make a calm day feel bad. Rainy days and Mondays would be blue because we think that you should ride like the wind. Whew. The war of words, the language battle, it's real. This is where worldviews can be tumbled. You come up with a semantic range. You redefine words. You can control the language. You control the argument. You control the outcome. It, it's, it's happening at university. 
I, I suspect pastors feel this in their pulpits that they, they can't preach like they once did due to very tender cultural sensitivity. It is hard these days for a pastor to deliver a sermon on one of these contentious issues and not get shellacked for it. This, I, I, I can just hear Jerry Seinfeld ringing in my ears. Well, of course we should be able to offend people. Well, we don't want to be an offensive people. But the whole point of freedom of speech, freedom of religion, is because we do have disagreements. It is not just true at the University of Washington. It's true inside of the church. Watch out for the war of words changing. Re- no, we don't. We don't use that. We don't use the word homosexual anymore. We 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 use the word same-sex attraction. There's a reason for that. You change the language. You change the argument. You change the outcome. This is Wretched Radio. So there you are on your Googler machine trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're going to go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MediShare, affordable, biblical health sharing, has a 98% approval rating. 400,000 members strong, sharing one another's health care bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% of the members of MediShare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. 1-844-34-BIBLE for MediShare. It's New Year's resolution time. But before you make yours, I have a different type of challenge for you. How about instead of resolving to be a better person this year, you instead commit to leaving a legacy for Christ. And one surefire way you can do just that is by becoming a monthly Wretched Gospel partner. Currently, Wretched Radio and TV is seen and heard on nearly 1,000 stations combined worldwide. The second season of Road Trip to Truth has just been released with season Season 3 in production, solving the God puzzle on its way to 1 million copies distributed and transformed our latest TV series highlighting biblical counseling is set to debut later this year. We're striving to reach people all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and we're only able to do that with the support of our gospel partners. So would you prayerfully consider joining us? Just log on to wretched.org donate to get all of the details. Wretched.org donate. Permit me to introduce you to Brie and Salvation Dominoes Preborn Style. When one person gets saved, they have that burning desire to just make him known the same way that was made known to them. And then it's just this domino effect. Brie currently volunteers at a preborn life center. How did she get saved? From a friend whose mother got saved at, you guessed it, 
a preborn life center. Why? Because preborn, it is indeed about saving babies' lives via $28 ultrasounds, but it is also sharing the gospel so that moms and dads get saved. And look at the domino effect. Would you please consider supporting preborn centers with as many free ultrasounds as you can? $28 for an ultrasound, 80% of the time saves a life. Learn more at preborn.org slash wretched. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called a curse for us. When Adam sinned, all creation came under a curse, and everyone who breaks God's law is cursed. But Jesus bore our curse on the cross so that we may receive the blessings of God. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Forgive me for interrupting the talk show that is currently going on. This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, you want to keep going with your diatribe? <laughs> no, I'm just asking you a question. You, no, didn't answer. you were preaching, dude. No, I was asking and you didn't answer. So, but that's because <laughs> I had nothing to say. And besides, you didn't take a breath or give me a pause. <laughs> I just said, I don't get this. What we were just talking about, uh, making everything the same equality. I get it in, in some areas, in some circumstances. Of course. You don't want people to be treated differently than that's others. Right. I get that. But. When the world is attempting to make everybody the same, look the same, talk the same, walk the same, dress the same, that's not how God created us. No, much, much more creative, much more invented, much more helpful, much more complementarian. Exactly. I, I, I have a billion weaknesses and they get filled in by other people who don't. You're welcome. (laughs) Besides, I didn't say one person (laughs) fills all of them. But if, but if we don't identify that there are certain roles, there are certain positions, authority is totally undermined. And that, by the way, is one of the objectives of this conversation to change words and not have any word indicate there may be any sort of supremacy involved in the word, that there are some people who are better than others. That's all got to go. And we've seen It's probably now a hundred words that have been redefined and identified as being racist, sexist, ableist, and we aren't supposed to use them anymore. This isn't really about being kind or being thoughtful. This is about we can't have anybody presumed, even hinted at, as being better in any regard. This is what the culture wars in my opinion, have been about. They're most certainly about God, but it's absolutely been about whether or not we should even have a culture. Should should we keep going with this thing? Because we're being told that this culture was defined by white people. Then we're also told that it was simply designed for our advantage. And so therefore, this whole culture has to go said it before i'll say it again try this trope in japan hey this japanese culture needs to stop it was started by japanese people and i'm caucasian so it's got to go i'm going to change your language i'm going to change your words and i'm not going to let you impose your culture on me You, you, you would be thought to be ridiculous 
But that is the the current conversation that can only happen in the good old USA. Let's continue spanning the globe, shall we? Jimmy, here's one that'll get up your nose. I'll do this quickly. While Israel preserves Al-Aqsa, Muslims destroy other religions' holy sites. Isn't that nice? You got yourself the Temple Mount. You've got yourself the Al-Aqsa Mosque sitting right on top of it. And Jewish people say, go ahead, you can do that. Even, even though historically it was a much, if you will, holier site to Jewish people, they, 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 they don't tear it down. They don't build a synagogue on top of it or a temple on top of it. They let it be. But it doesn't get returned as a favor. The prophet Joshua's altar on Mount Ebal destroyed. The temple mount in Jerusalem protected. All of these other scenes are destroyed. This is just all over the place. Arabs do not allow Jews to pray on the Temple Mount. During the Jordanian occupation of Jerusalem, Jews were not allowed to pray at the Western Wall either. I didn't know that. The Jewish patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, are buried, we believe, in Hebron. Muslims built a mosque there. Many of the Orthodox churches in northern Cyprus have been converted to mosques. Turkey has been steadily destroying the Christian artistic and cultural heritage of northern Cyprus. Hundreds of Greek Orthodox churches in Turkey converted to mosque. Of course, you know about the Hagia Sophia. This is that gorgeous, what used to be a church. It used to be the center of Eastern Orthodoxy. Take you back to Constantinople was converted into a mosque. The Babri Mosque in North India was built on the site of a Hindu temple. They don't discriminate. The great temple of Kashaba Rai al-Mathura was one of the most magnificent Hindu temples ever built in India. The temple was demolished in 1670, and guess what sits on top of it now? A mosque. The Samnath Temple in India, Kashi or Varanasi, sacred site in hinduism that's right demolished several times by muslim invaders and they try to reconstruct it but currently a mosque sits on the site and this thing goes on and on and on for days the religion of peace tolerant willing to let people live and let live um there are far too many people in that religion to say that that is accurate This is a story from, (laughs) this is amazing to me. I just, (sighs) this, it's just, it's just one after another, isn't it? Where you think, well, it can't be any more ridiculous than this, could it? And this is an example from the Huff and Puff and Blow Your Worldview Down post headline. Homosexuality is population control? Question mark. Why gays and lesbians are essential to the balance of nature. Because we believe in population control, what better way to do it than to promote a lifestyle that doesn't produce offspring? And because we all know that people are destroying the planet, we need fewer of them homosexuality to the rescue 
Wow. Wow. One can't help but wonder how many globalists have thought that. How many globalists thought, you know what? Promoting that worldview, it's going to help us with our agenda. Amazing. Oh, let's take another look at an Islamic story here. At least an Afghanistan refugee would have to believe that he's a Muslim. Was convicted of sexually assaulting a three-year-old girl at Quantico Base. This is a disgusting story. Two U.S. soldiers, Marines, saw this guy do this. Touching a girl, kissing her inappropriately. Three years old. According to Gateway Pundit, this fellow argued through interpreters that he did nothing wrong because molesting children is, quote, part of his culture. Hey, Hollywood, law and order, SVU. What does that stand for? What's that? Special Victims Unit. Ah, of course. You must be a special victims unit specialist. You watch the show? It's been on for over 20 years. So, uh, yeah, I've caught it a time. Well, see, Jimmy, here's why I don't feel bad about not knowing this. Okay. First of all, I'm clearly not worldly. Second of all, it has to be off the air for 20 years before Before I, as an evangelical, (laughs) talk about it in any sort of relevant way. That's what we do. On a Thursday episode of the long-running NBC show, the captain, I don't know who this celebrity is, celebrated her on-screen son for sharing that he is bisexual. I said that I was bi, Noah tells his mom, and there's no shame in being true to yourself. Ah, romanticism, anyone? Paging romanticism. Be true to you. Believe in yourself. Just do it. This uh, mother replied, that's right, son. NBC's Today Show lauded the episode, suggesting that the mom deserved an Emmy for her response. That's the Today Show. That's the, hey, America, let's start out with a cup of coffee and some gossip. Let's set you off on your day celebrating that an eight-year-old identifies as being sexually confused. Cool. Many other examples of children doing the same on TV. Arthur, Owl House, Blue's Clues. Now that's, Blue's Clues is different than Wishbone. Is, is, is Blue's Clues Wishbone? What's the story, Wishbone? Uh, I'm not sure about Wishbone. Okay, I thought you my, were my kids You were the master on, of all things TV. Well, my kids grew Mr. up on Mr. SVU. Clues. Doc McStuffins. There's another show yeah. where they've done the same. Those, those are kids' TV show. By the way, Glad is calling for a 20% using, using, I thought we didn't want these types of quotas. They want 20% of all characters on TV to be LGBT by 2025. Well, starting to get there. Because if you don't, your network will get sued. simple as that you'll be deemed intolerant you'll get bad press bad publicity and presumably it will affect your ratings therefore they acquiesce but there's more to it than that this is an agenda this is to get to children because you get to the kids they grow up to be the next generation and then licentiousness abounds 
What a cheery tour of the world today. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.